0: Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Joining us to discuss the results of the elections from last night, we have ranking member and likely soon to be chairman of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer. Congressman James Comer, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Congressman, election night, uh, some surprises on both sides throughout uh, different races. It appears that Republicans may have fell short of that anticipated red uh, tsunami uh, or red wave. Why do you think that is, and any big takeaways for you last night, and are you satisfied with your party's performance?
1: Well, a win's a win, and it looks like we're going to be in the majority. It looks like we're going to have a new Speaker of the House, and Nancy Pelosi's going to have to hand the gavel over to a Republican. So I'm excited about that. I believe that uh, we now will have an opportunity to fix a lot of the problems that we have in America, from inflation to crime, a host of other challenges. So I'm excited about last night. I wish the margin had been more. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to come back about 222, 223 Republicans. And that's a good majority.
0: Now, it would be nice to say definitively that you are the next chair, not, you know, for one way or the other, but because I think it's fair that Americans know uh, who won on, on the eve of election night. We've entered a time where we can't seem to count the votes in one day. Is this acceptable to you?
1: Well, you know, I want to get it right. And I know a lot of states have change to paper ballots and they have automatic recount so that takes time uh, I support paper ballots and I support getting it right I'm frustrated I stayed up till 3 a.m. last night like most Americans and uh, you know it, it's uh, I wish we knew the answers unfortunately it's probably going to be three or four more days until votes are counted in Arizona California uh, even in some uh, parts of Pennsylvania so uh, that's Unfortunately, something that uh, you know has not gotten better, but at the end of the day, hopefully when all the votes are in, uh, no one's going to challenge the legitimacy or the fairness of this election.
0: Congressman, as the likely next chairman of the Oversight Committee, uh, where can you expect your work to take us?
1: Well, we want to bring the Oversight Committee back to what it was intended to do, and that's to root out waste, fraud, abuse, and mismanagement in the federal government. I want to get the backs of the taxpayers. You know, Congress has been on a spending spree for three years. In the name of COVID, congressmen in both parties have lost their minds with respect to spending. And so much of this spending hasn't been accountable. Uh, We want to get spending in check. We also want to hold people accountable for uh, wrongdoing with respect to spending. We're also going to lead the investigations. Uh, We have a lot of high-profile investigations from uh, the disaster at the southern border to the origination of COVID-19 and to the Biden family influence peddling. So I think you're going to see an oversight committee that's productive, an oversight committee that's front and center, and hopefully an oversight committee that uh, is, is credible and effective for the American people.
0: You mentioned the Biden family influence uh, peddling. Do you believe that investigating the president's son, Hunter's ties to the Chinese Communist Party, sharing office space with the chief spy of China, uh, is an investigation the American people deserve answers to?
1: Absolutely. Even Newsweek published a poll a few weeks ago saying 52 percent of the American people support investigating Hunter Biden for uh, misdeeds and potential wrongdoing. That's Newsweek. So uh, the, the actual numbers are probably uh, much higher than that. But at the end of the day, this administration hasn't had any type of oversight from the Democrats. The Democrats have turned a blind eye uh, not only to excessive spending, but also to wrongdoing uh, in the Biden family. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with the fact that Hunter Biden's a shady business character. We're, we're investigating Joe Biden. That's what this investigation is about. It, it, the media can call it the Hunter Biden investigation, but in all reality, this is an investigation of whether or not Joe Biden is compromised by the shady business dealings of his son and brother. And we have evidence that would lead us to believe that he may, in fact, be compromised. But at the end of the day, we're going to have public hearings. Uh, we're going to produce facts for the American people, and we're going to let the American people decide.
0: Now, you've also mentioned uh, expressing concern over the origins of the uh, CCP virus. What type of questions will you be asking on this front?
1: Well, we've got a lot of correspondence between Dr. Fauci and his earliest advisors, uh, dating back to March of, and February of 2020, where his earliest advisors communicated with Dr. Fauci and said, well, look, this is obviously from the Wuhan lab. I mean, that's what we were doing in the Wuhan lab. We were researching COVID viruses, so there's obviously a lab leak here, and they also said, uh, you know, we can look at the DNA strain and tell that this is man-made. There's no way this went from an animal to human uh, that rapidly. So why did Dr. Fauci cover this up? Why did Dr. Fauci lie for so long about American tax dollars through EcoHealth Alliance going to fund gain-of-function research? Why did he lie about gain-of-function research being done in the Wuhan lab? Why were we even in the Wuhan lab? There are so many questions that the Americans deserve answers to. And unfortunately, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins at the National Institute for Health, they have blocked congressional oversight every step of the way. We believe that uh, not only did the virus originate in COVID-19, we believe that this administration and Dr. Fauci's administration at the CDC took steps to cover up past dealings in the Wuhan lab. We believe that this uh, the Fauci and his cohorts took steps to block any type of congressional investigation or intelligence investigation, for that matter. So we want to get some answers, and we want to hold people accountable for, for wrongdoing. We all suffered through COVID-19. We all uh, had, you know, most of us had kids in public schools that that really wasted a year of their life. Our economy was in shambles; it's still in pieces because of many of the decisions that were made during COVID, with the lockdowns and and things like that. The American people deserve answers, and anyone that was uh, involved in any type of cover up, they should be held accountable.
0: Congressman James Colmer, thank you so much. Thank you
1: for having me on. Highly
0: anticipated and watched races in Arizona still playing out, with all eyes still on the results. Now we're happy to have the chair of Arizona's Republican Party, Dr. Kelly Ward, to find out what is going on there. Kelly Ward, thank you so much for joining us.
2: It's great to be here. It's a great day for Arizona and I think a great day for America.
0: Kelly, there was a lot of concern in Arizona with uh, voter machines malfunctioning in uh, your state yesterday, specifically in Maricopa County. If you could, please tell us what was going on there and if there is cause for concern in terms of any funny business, tampering with ballots, etc.
2: Right. Well, I mean, I know that my phone started ringing at 6.05 a.m. Polls opened at 6 with complaints from all over Maricopa County of uh, tabulators not working, printers not working, ballots not going through machines, um, not being able to be tabulated on site, poll workers giving, I think, bad advice. Some people were told to just leave their ballots lying you know, on top of a table. Some were told to take their ballots with them. Some were told to put them into box number three or door three so that those ballots could be tabulated later downtown. So it was very confusing, but we had people on the spot already working to resolve those issues. Now, those issues did go on through the morning and by a little afternoon, maybe close to one o'clock, they discovered that their toner settings on their printers was very low to to print at the lowest quality. Uh, And so those ballots were not having dark uh dark marks on the side to prove that it was a real ballot and the tabulators were having trouble reading those ballots as they adjusted those settings and they darkened up that toner we had far fewer problems. So those people that voted after lunch or in the evening time didn't have as much of a problem feeding those ballots into the tabulators. But obviously it's concerning to me and it was concerning to all of us yesterday. Early in the day, we started talking about, should we try to extend voting hours? Uh, I wanted to do it as early as possible because we've had other cases that we've been involved with with the RNC when there's too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, and the RNC has a lot of cooks, they, uh, the process slows down. And the last two cases we've worked on with them, we've been told by the judge we were just too late, even though had we filed hours before, maybe we wouldn't have been considered too late. Uh, so we, you know, we didn't get those hours extended, but I don't think that we're gonna need it. Our people turned out, they stayed the course, they stayed in line. People were voting until after 9 p.m., maybe even after 10 p.m. last night because they, they were determined not to leave. They were determined to have their voice heard.
0: Now, whether that vote is or starts to break for your candidate um, or candidates, is it a fair question to still ask why Florida can count the votes in a single day and why states like Arizona and others are not able to?
2: It certainly is. And I talked to a lot of the legislators who were at our event last night celebrating with all of us the really the red wave that will be here in Arizona before you know it uh, when those ballots are counted. And they believe that they have a clear mandate to correct our elections, to make sure that our elections have integrity, to make sure that the process is clean. Uh, What's happening here is that many of these elections departments, because of the laws that are on the books, allowing uh, ballots to be dropped off all the way up until the end of Election Day, early ballots that aren't required to have an I.D. placed before the person puts that into the ballot box or into the drop box have to be cured. They have to be proven that those are legitimate ballots. So they are given, these election departments are given up to five business days to cure those ballots. And unfortunately especially in maricopa county i think that because they have those five business days which actually extends out to seven or eight and in this case we have veterans day on friday so it could extend even further because of the holiday uh, because they have that time they decide that they are going to take that time and nothing is more frustrating than watching what happened yesterday when maricopa county simply had to plug in the little thumb drives that they have from all of the voting locations into their machines and put out results. But they were unwilling, unable, incompetent. I'm not sure what. Um, But they weren't putting those out quickly. They did put out a few little dribs and drabs um, through through the night. And they still have about 600,000 ballots in Maricopa County to uh, to count, and so we've we've got a lot of work before us. And and, and let me correct that. I think it's about 400,000 in Maricopa and about 600,000 statewide. So it's not just Maricopa County, but we have that problem because of that five-day allowance after election day that needs to be corrected. I think that if people want to drop off their early ballot, they ask to be on the mail you know mail-in list or the mail-out list. They need to, to drop those off far before Election Day so that they can be cured um, prior to 7 p.m. here in our case in Arizona on Election Day. And those votes can already be counted in that, that uh, first or second release of, of the ballots cast.
0: Now, with all of that said, uh, how confident are you in, um, you know, Kerry Lake and, and Blake Masters being able to pull it out?
2: Well, the ballots that are being counted right now are the same-day drop-offs, as well as Election Day ballots that they still have not tabulated. Those are breaking uh, 60 to 70 to actually 75 percent for all of our Republican candidates across the board. Kerry, Blake abe mark they are going to be that red wave here in arizona uh, you know blake masters and mark fincham have the biggest hurdle to come over but i think that as all those ballots are coming in in maricopa county and from around the states especially in those rural areas of the state that are Strong red Republican strong uh, strongholds. That is going to make the difference. I think maybe we might know tonight that Carrie Lake is our governor elect. I certainly hope so. I hope that um, Maricopa County and their elections department decides to actually put in the work that needs to be done, rather than taking the law and saying, "Well, we have five business days, so we're just going to take it to drag it out." Because I think. Stephen Richer, the current recorder and the board of supervisors in Maricopa County have done a lot of damage to election integrity and have really, really made it difficult for voters to have confidence in anything that they do.
0: Now, it seems like uh, CNN and other mainstream media outlets have shifted away from this term, the big lie, to now calling anyone who questions uh, the integrity of an election, an election denier. How do you respond to this label?
2: Well, I saw uh, election denier Stacey Abrams lose yesterday. Um, I saw a lot of election deniers on the Democrat side lose yesterday. Uh, I've I've seen a 10-minute-plus montage of Democrats challenging an election and denying results from 2016 before and after 2016. And so, um, you know, I think that the media, the mainstream media and, and outlets like CNN, love to make these um, monikers to mislead the public. It's disinformation from our our news. I think it's an abuse of the First Amendment. You know, The freedom of the press is designed to protect the people, the the citizenry, from an overbearing, overreaching, uh, overregulating, lying federal government or state government. And in many cases today, as President Donald J. Trump pointed out, The news media has become a propaganda arm for the Democrat Party and those radical leftist policies that have left this country devastated. I think this election is going to show that we we have somewhere to go, that with Republicans in charge in the House um, and, I'm going to tell you, in the Senate, we at least are going to be able to put the brakes on the radical Biden regime's uh, efforts to uh, turn our our country into a socialist nation, to make it very difficult for families to survive and, and thrive making it difficult for them to have enough money to have housing, to buy gas, to buy groceries. Um, So we I don't know that we're going to be able to implement a lot of policies because Joe Biden can just use his veto pen. But I do think that a lot of our states are going to be moving forward and be models for what the American people are asking for. And what they're asking for is safety, security, law and order. Uh, They want to have a strong economy. They want their money to go further, not. Uh, Not be used up before the end of each and every month and they want to be healthy happy and prosperous who doesn't and that's what Republican policies bring
0: Dr. Kelly Ward really appreciate your perspective and thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me
0: And joining us next to assess the results of last night's elections we're happy to have Doug Billings host of the right side Doug, I'm really curious about your thoughts of this uh, cycle that uh, is upon us here this morning. Uh, it appears as though Republicans have underperformed coming up short of the so-called uh, red wave, or have they? So, good
3: question. I'm glad you asked it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are winning. There, are, there is lots of winning going on out there. And I know that many of you this morning, because of the mainstream media, because of certain elements of the rhino faction within our conservative movement, have been persuaded to think otherwise. There is, there was, It was a great night last night. You know, 174 wins we had versus nine losses. Now, most of us go to the main, you know, the, the headline races, the Oz-Fetterman race, things going on in Michigan, et cetera, the top-billed races, if you will, which is fine. I understand that. But if we go down ballot and if we look at congressional House seats, we look at governorships, we look at state's attorneys general, we look at state's... Um, the, the, the governorships in, in states, we, we see winning. And President Trump posted about that this morning in True Social. 174 wins, John. 174 wins to nine losses. In my view, that is a red wave. We cannot be dissuaded by the mainstream media's oversight of those races. We can't let ourselves be discouraged. Let's not default to the negative. America is not on her deathbed. Just as much as we did not get into this debacle and this realm of chaos overnight, We're not going to get out of it overnight. One election isn't going to solve the problems. But last night, all in all, was not a
0: bad night. Believe that, ladies and gentlemen, for the republic. Doug, you mentioned some of the high-profile races, um, John Fetterman, Dr. Ra's race. Uh, With all due respect to John Fetterman, uh, given the impediment to his health, speech, and cognitive ability, was this one a surprise to you at all? Yes, it was a
3: surprise. I thought for sure after that debate that he was—he was a goner. Uh, I think everyone figured that. Gosh, you know, even diehard Republican or Democrats rather would say that. Yeah, he's—he's not the one. Um, you know, it, it, of course, everyone wonders about the cheating. Everyone is going to wonder that. Twenty twenty proved that there was massive fraud on massive levels. So we're all going to c- continue to wonder that. Uh, but but Fetterman pulled this one out. Oz has conceded that this morning. And it was a surprise. I, that one, I thought for sure would go our way. I still think we may control the Senate. It's going to be tough. I Prior to the election, I was, I was predicting four seats in the Senate would go our way. Uh, we still will gain control of the House, and uh, that's good news. But if we don't get the Senate, at least to some degree, we can impede Administrator Biden's agenda to a degree.
0: And to your point, uh, we did receive early in the day, way before, you know, 8 a.m., as soon as polls opened, uh, a lot of things that just didn't add up from poll watchers and uh, experienced folks on the ground watching the elections in Pennsylvania, a lot of concerns there still. Um, but switching gears a little bit, uh, you have a lot of uh, races here throughout the country. I want to ask you about where the ticket was actually split in, in a major way. For instance, in Georgia, you saw the Republican governor win in a decisive fashion, yet not the Senate race. Same in New Hampshire. Why do you think we're seeing this?
3: Well, we're a divided nation, Steve. I think, you know, we are um, we a divided people. It It amazes me that after two years of chaos that anybody with any sense of intellectual maturity would, would choose a democratic pathway, but they are, and we have to deal with that. We as conservatives, um, we're, we're waking up to this. We know that we need to get involved, and we were involved this year more than we were in 2020 at the local level. And when I say that, I mean as election observers, paid poll watchers, et cetera, we've been involved, and the trickery still continues. Um, and I, We're a divided nation, and you know, Herschel Walker, the Senate race down there, it's a neck and neck race. Um, and, and but it's it's good news that that Brian Kemp won. Uh, Stacey Abrams political career is probably over now. And that's a relief to everybody.
0: Doug, I want to get your thoughts on uh, 2024 uh, front page of The New York Post calling DeSantis the future and a certain play on words they used uh, with Trump likely to make an announcement this week. Uh, how do you see this playing
3: out? Yeah, this is, this is the mainstream media trying to divide the conservative movement. Ron DeSantis may be the future, but he's not the future for 2024. Yeah, President Trump, if he wants to run, and if he wants to, to run for president again, he's going to get the nomination. There's no, let's not pretend. I mean, Ron DeSantis, I love DeSantis. And I've even done a couple of shows where I've, I've asked President Trump to choose Ron DeSantis as his vice president. I think they would be, you know, they would be unbeatable if they were to join forces. The, th- the thing is, they just don't like each other. Uh, we have to, I wish they would get beyond that. Uh, DeSantis uh, is not the one. He's great in Florida. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen, he's great in Florida, and he can handle the media. He puts on that, you know, he, he addresses the media just as we all want him to, just as Trump does. He doesn't pull any punches. He's not politically correct, but Washington DC would eat Ron DeSantis alive, ladies and gentlemen. President Trump is the only man for this job. He's the only one that's proven that he can do it. And now that he knows what the job is and he knows what the deep state is all about, when he goes in for his second term, he'll know how to proceed even more thoroughly than he did before. He's done it. He will do it again. I think that he's going to announce his presidency next week, as we all know. I'm going to go down on December 6th to meet with him and General Flynn. I'm going to still press my case for a DeSantis ticket. And for those of you wondering, there's no law that prevents a president from choosing a vice president from his own state. That's a myth. Thank you very much.
0: Touche to that. Now, Doug, uh, rumblings that uh, leader McCarthy, uh, as, as we mentioned, it looks like the uh, House is going to be in favor of uh, Republicans. But there's rumblings that McCarthy might not get the uh, votes needed to become the next speaker. Um, what do you what do you make of this? So I think the mix let
3: us down last night. I think the mix have let us down. When I say that, the MCs, the MCs have let us down McCarthy, McDonnell and McDaniel. They've let us down. You know, when we look at the losses that we suffered last night, it's not President Trump's endorsements that lost those elections. It's McCarthy, McDonnell, and McDaniels, McConnell's uh, election handling of those campaigns. They were in charge and influenced most of those campaigns. The mix did. And they lost. And so we need to look at that. Josh Hawley from Missouri has already come out and said McCarthy's not the one. He said that uh, McConnell is not the one. And I think Mitch needs to go. There is a handful of them in there. Lindsey Graham, I saw them all melt down in the face of the January 6th nonsense. They're not, they speak a good game when they're called upon to, but when brass tacks are called upon, they're not necessarily always on our side. So I think that those three let us down. The way that they manage the campaigns that they lost um, certainly needs to be evaluated, and I think that that would be a, a wise choice if, in, uh, when
0: the, the Republicans come into session. Host of The Right Side with Doug Billings. Doug Billings, thank you
1: so much. Thank you, Steve.